All right, we're going to be in Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 18. If you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 is where we'll start. We're going to talk about forgiveness this morning. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Lord willing, we're probably going to start back in Mark next week. We kind of, I put that series on hold while we were going through the coronavirus, but uh, now that we're, we're starting to get back to normal, I suspect we'll see more and more people uh, filtering in. So we're going to start back our study on Mark. Uh, we were in Mark chapter 9 when we, when we uh, ended, and uh, we're going to start back there next week. So if you, if you want to uh, continue on through that series, uh, we're going we're gonna to do it next week. So Matthew chapter 18, let's pray, and then we'll jump into the Word. Father God, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for these good words. And I pray that you would hide me behind the cross as I preach and teach, that it would bring glory to you. I pray that you help my mind to be clear and free of distractions and uh, free of nerves and free of pride and anything the devil may try to tempt me and attack me with today as I try to preach and teach your word. I pray, God, that you would open our minds and open our ears to hear what your word has to say. God, that our hearts would be where they need to be. And if there is something in our heart that, that shouldn't be there, I pray that you would uh, change our hearts, dear Lord, and uh, you'd work in our life the way we need you to. I pray that you just keep us safe today and in the weeks to come, God, we know this virus is serious. And so help us to be wise and to be safe and keep everyone here safe and all the rest of our, of our church members, dear Lord, the ones that, that can't come. I pray that you continue to watch over them and watch over our community, dear Lord. I pray that you'd get rid of this old virus soon. I pray that you'd be with our country with all that's going on with the virus and the presidential election and all these things that, God, we kind of get get caught up in sometimes and maybe get us upset or get us a little too excited i pray that you would help us just to seek you through everything and know that you're going to be with us and i pray that you just would be with us today and i ask these things in jesus name amen all right matthew chapter 18 verse 21 we'll read through the text and then we'll break it down then peter came to him and said lord how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus said to him, but seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of God can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed ten thousand talents was brought before him. Since he had no way to pay it back, his master's his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the slave fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that slave had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves, who owed him one hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow slave fell face down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. On the contrary, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other slaves saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything 
that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And, he, and his master got angry and handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Now, when we talk about forgiveness, this is a, a subject that we see quite frequently in Scripture. But when we talk about forgiveness, there's maybe a little more to unpack there than we first realize because there's a lot that, that goes into understanding forgiveness and how it, how it works in the Bible and, and, and how are we to give and what are the, the results of our forgiveness to be. What does that look like in our life? Now, I say it's a lot to unpack because there are lots of things that are talked about when the Bible speaks of forgiveness, and we will dig into some of those things this morning. Now, Peter here is asking Jesus a question. Now, while Peter is asking this question, should I forgive my brother seven times? Well, we don't really know why Peter is asking that question. Perhaps that's just a number Peter came up with. Perhaps he said, all right, Lord, is there a limit to the amount of times I should forgive someone who has wronged me seven times? That sounds like a good number. Is that enough? Maybe Peter just randomly uh, came up with that number just to say, all right, what's a, what's a fair number, Lord? Uh, some have suggested that the rabbis of the day had presented this number to the people that, okay, you, you, you can forgive somebody seven times and after that you're off the hook. If you've forgive, uh, forgiven them seven times and they continue to do you wrong, uh, then, you're, then you're off the hook. Now, that may or may not be true. I don't know, and I don't know where Peter got this number from, and that's really not important. Peter put a limitation on how often uh, we should forgive people, and Jesus uh, corrected Peter's limitation. Should we forgive people seven times? And Jesus said, no, let me tell you. Don't just forgive someone who's wronged you seven times, but forgive them seven times 70 times. Now, if we take Jesus literally here, I believe we probably missed the point. I don't think that Jesus was specifically saying, forgive someone 490 times. Uh, I don't think we should keep a list, and every time somebody sins against us, we forgive them. We mark it off of their 490, and hopefully they don't run out of forgivings before their lifetime and our lifetime run out. I don't think that Jesus wants us to keep a strict tally of the amount of times that we have uh, forgiven other people. I think that there is a contrast being made here. Peter's saying, Lord, should I forgive people uh, a few times? And Jesus says, no, you should forgive them a bunch of times. You should keep forgiving people uh, when they come to you and when they want forgiveness. And there are times that people may not even repent. They may not even come to us and seek forgiveness, and we can still uh, forgive them to some extent even when they don't seek forgiveness. So Peter puts a limitation on the forgiveness that we are to give to others. But Jesus, by giving this large number, I think is saying, no, there's no limit. I don't think he's saying 490. I think he's saying, look, don't limit. You just keep forgiving people uh, when they do you wrong. Now, that's hard to do. Forgiving people is difficult to do, especially uh, when people continually uh, and repeatedly uh, sin against you and do things to you that they shouldn't do to you. Now, to expound upon this point even further, Jesus gives a parable of, of someone who is a master who has these servants who serve him, and the servants owe the master money. In this case, there is one servant who owes the master a lot of money, 10,000 talents, the scripture says. Now, 
a talent is about 20 years worth of wages. So that's a lot of money. And he owed 10,000 talents. So you could figure up if you uh, how much you made, and you could say that times 20, and then whatever number you come up with, you say that times 10,000. And that would be the debt that was owed by this slave to his master. Now, even if you made 20, let's say $20,000 a year, guess what that equals up to? 10,000 talents, the conversion rate would be $4 billion. And so that gives you an idea. This was a, a really a debt that you could not pay off. It was a debt that was impossible to pay. And so the servant, uh, the master called in the debt. The debt was owed. The servant should have paid the debt. He obviously had uh, gotten the debt through whatever means he had gotten it. And he owed the master this money. He was obligated. It was right for him to pay the master back the money that he rightly owed to the master. And the master said, okay, I want you to repay this debt. Well, he couldn't repay the debt. It was, it was more debt than could be repaid. And so what did he do? Well, he begged his master. He said, look, master, I can't do this right now, but, but give me some time. Just be patient with me. He didn't have the money in the moment, but be patient with me because the master was ready to, uh, to throw him and his, and his family into prison uh, till every last cent was paid. Well, every last cent would never have been paid, so this was essentially the end of this man's life. Maybe not physically, but uh, for all intents and purposes, he and his family would have no life after this point because he could not afford to pay the debt that was owed. And so he begged the master to give him more time to be patient. And the master had compassion on him. As the servant fell down before him and begged the master for some patience, the master saw this and he was compassionate toward the servant and he forgave the servant that debt. Now that's pretty incredible, right? Uh, we, we probably wish some of our uh, uh, people that, that we're indebted to would forgive our debts. Just say, okay, I forgive you of that debt. Well, that's what happened in this story. The man begged for some patience there. The master was lenient and had compassion on the servant who was indebted to him. Then the story flips because the servant who was indebted to the master also had someone who was indebted to him. Now, it says that uh, the one indebted to him owed him 100 denarii. Now, that would be about a day's wages. One denarii is about one day's wages. So 100 denarii would be a little over three months worth of work. And so you can do the uh, conversion in your head, whatever you make in three months, that would have been the amount we're talking about. So we're talking billions compared to probably thousands, maybe 10, 12, 15,000. Uh, there's a big difference here between these two numbers. There's a contrast here that Jesus is showing us in this passage. But when the slave came to this other servant who had been forgiven and said, look, I can't repay this debt of 100 denarii. And the story falls out exactly the same way as it did. The, 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 the slave who owed the other slave money, he called in the debt and said, look, I want my hundred denarii. And the man fell face down and said, I can't give you the hundred denarii. Give me some time. I'll give it to you. Let me, let, me, let me get it. But instead, the guy had no compassion at all. He began to choke him. He grabbed the guy and boy, he was furious because he wanted his hundred denarii. He had no compassion. Instead, he ordered that the man who owed him the money uh, be put in prison because he could not pay the debt. Now, the other servants, slaves around, they heard about what was going on, and they reported it back to the master and said, Hey, let me tell you what your servant did. The servant that you just forgave all of this debt to, well, there was another man who owed him money, and look at how he treated him. He tried choking him. He put him in prison because he couldn't pay the small amount that was owed. 
And so when the master hears about this, he's furious. He's angry at what has taken place. And so he goes to the servant that he had had compassion on, and he throws him in jail as well. Now, this is a pretty powerful story when we talk about forgiveness. This is a good example of forgiveness, as Jesus often gives us good stories. And he gives this great, uh, this great story and this great contrast here. The point being that God is the master here. God is the one who has the power to forgive us greatly because we have sinned greatly against God. Our debt to God because of our sin is a debt that we can never repay. But when we come to God and when we seek forgiveness from God through Jesus Christ, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. Even though it's a debt that we could never afford to repay, God doesn't force us to repay it. Instead, he sent his only son to die for us, to shed his blood for us, to pay the debt on our behalf so that we could be forgiven. Now, those of us in here who are in Christ Jesus, we need to recognize in our life the great debt that we have been forgiven. We need to realize that we have done nothing to earn the forgiveness of our sins based on our own merits, not because we come to church a lot or not because we put money in the plate or not because we give money to the poor. None of those things outweigh the debt of our sinfulness. The only thing that, that can pay what we owe is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so the only way we receive that is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so when we come to Jesus, we are like one who is billions of dollars in debt of whom the debtor says, look, you don't owe this money anymore. Now, when we've received such a great forgiveness of our own sins, then how much more so should we be willing to forgive the sins of others? Now, this is the point that Jesus is trying to make here as he's following up on Peter's question. He's saying, look, you have been forgiven a lot. So remember that. When it comes time for you to forgive other people, you need to remember how much you have been forgiven. Now, that's not to say that people who are not in Christ may not have the ability to forgive people. We're all created in the image of God, and there may be some people who don't follow Christ who forgive people who do them wrong. But to understand forgiveness in its most perfect and its most beautiful and its truest form, the only way we do that is by coming to Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate realization of what forgiveness is. Because in that moment when we realize, whoa, I am a sinner. In that moment when our eyes are open, when we read God's word, when the Holy Spirit begins to, to convict and we go out of darkness into light and we begin to see just how bad our life has been and just how wretched we are, it is in that moment that we realize how great forgiveness is. It is in that moment when we say, whoa, I'm wretched, but Jesus, you are awesome. Jesus, you are perfect. Jesus, you gave your life for me. And when we come to Jesus and we experience that joy of salvation and that burden of sin that's been lifted from us through the forgiveness that comes from Jesus, that is when we experience forgiveness in its perfect sense. And once we've experienced that, that should guide our life as to how we are going to forgive others as we seek to be more like Jesus. Now, when it comes to forgiveness, though, as I mentioned earlier, what are we to make of forgiveness? What does forgiveness really look like? Now, we could kind of pick and choose several different passages throughout Scripture that say different things maybe about how we are to respond uh, to different people. So which one of those things are true? Well, all of those things are true. 
Perhaps you have heard it said before that we are to forgive and to forget. Now, I don't really know that that's biblical. We don't see that phrase anywhere in the Bible, and I don't know that that's necessarily uh, what God calls us to, and I don't know that that is possible for us in an earthly sense. While we are on this earth, I don't know that we have the mental capacity or the ability to forget. Now, we may, we may have the ability to do that, should God give us that ability, but I think that more times than not, that we probably aren't able to always forget what people have done to us. Now, we, it would be great if we could forget what people have done to us in some sense, but in, in another sense, it is good for us to remember. There is some wisdom in remembering when people continue to do us wrong. We have to have some wisdom there. We have scriptures where Jesus says things like, turn the other cheek. And so does that mean as Christians that we are to allow people to walk all over us in every situation? That anytime something bad comes against us, that we are never to speak against it. That we are never to uh, try to escape it. That we are always just to sit there and take whatever harm comes our way. Well, I know Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek, but then even in Jesus' life there were occasions where the people tried to stone him, and he didn't sit there and take it. He left through the crowds. There were times where the crowds didn't accept him, where they wanted him to go, where there was uh, persecution that, that was coming because they didn't like Jesus, and there were times that Jesus walked away from those situations. Of course, there was a situation where Jesus' very life was uh, taken from him, and in that situation he didn't walk away. We find similar examples in the life of Paul. There were times where Paul was beaten and in prison. You can read through the book of Acts. And there were many times that he took those beatings and imprisonment and didn't say a word. But then there are other occasions where Paul did speak up, where he was being beaten and about to be in prison. And he said, hey, look, wait a minute. You can't beat me. I'm a Roman citizen. Now, in that instance, Paul escaped the beating that was taking place. Now, should Paul have said, I'm just going to turn the other cheek and allow them to keep beating me? Should Jesus have said, I'm just going to allow the people to stone me right here on the spot? Well, there may be times and situations in our life where we are to turn the other cheek. And I think what Jesus was saying when he tells the people in Matthew chapter 5, that's where that's found, that we are to turn the other cheek, I believe what Jesus is saying is that we are not to seek revenge on other people. Now, we see that clearly throughout Scripture, that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Now, there are things that people do to us, but we are not to seek revenge against those people. Now, uh, it, it's hard to do sometimes, right? If somebody hits you in the, in the face, you, it, you, you don't necessarily want to uh, turn the other cheek. Our, our instinct is if somebody hits me, I'm going to hit them back. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, Jesus said. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But that's not how we're supposed to do now. Jesus said, look, even though that's the way you may want to do it, even though that's the way some people say you should do it, Jesus said, look, I'm telling you a better way. Now, I believe when Jesus says that we are to turn the other cheek, we are not to re uh, seek revenge against people who do us wrong. We are to allow the Lord to uh, take care of that situation. But it does not mean maybe that we aren't to respond in some situations where people do us wrong. There are some times where wrong is being done where there is a response that needs to occur. Now, we see some examples of this in Scripture. For example, uh, Jesus, when he went into the temple in John chapter 2, and he saw the money changers' tables there, 
Well, what did he do? He turned those money changers' tables over. Now, there was a response that took place there. So there is one example, and there are a few examples of maybe where Jesus does something like that. Uh, they're few and far between, which maybe should tell us that we need to be careful that we don't uh, overreact in some situations. Well, that's not a good word. I, I shouldn't say that. That may imply that Jesus overreacted. He didn't. But there are times that there may be a response that needs to take place. Uh, another example of this is actually found a few verses before what we read today. Now, Jesus had just said in the verses we read, he said that we are to forgive people. But in the verses before this, in John, or excuse me, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, if you want to look back at that, listen to what Jesus says. He says, If your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen... Take one or two more with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he pays no attention to them, tell the church. But if he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like an unbeliever and a tax collector to you. Now, this seems to be pretty clear evidence that even though Jesus himself would clearly say that we are forgive, uh, to forgive people, he would clearly say that we are to turn the other cheek, this is a good example that there are times when people do us wrong that there is a right response that some action has taken to address an issue that has taken place. And Jesus even gives the instruction on what to do. He says, look, if somebody has done wrong, then you need to try to confront a brother. If a brother or sister has sinned against you, if somebody sinned against you in some way, then you need to try to work it out with them. If they're not willing to work it out, that is, if they're not willing to acknowledge their sin or repent of their sin, then you need to get some other brothers and sisters in Christ, and you need to confront them. If they're still not willing to turn from their sinfulness and, and repent, then you need, in this case, to bring it before the church. And if they're still not willing to change, if they're not willing to repent of their sin, if they're not willing to acknowledge that there is sin there that they have committed, then he says, treat them like an unbeliever. So there are occasions, not just here with Jesus, but also with that of Paul's writings. Now, we talked about that last week, that there were times that there was sin going on with some of the people that Paul was dealing with, and what did he do? He told them that it was right to respond in a way that was going to uh, correct those people, that was going to bring some just, just punishment on those people. Now, there are times that people may wrong us that we may need to turn the other cheek. That's, of course, true. Jesus said to do that. There are times where people do things to us, and what I believe Jesus means there is to not take revenge. We just take what they give us, and we go on our way. There are other times, though, when people may wrong us that it may be proper for us to have some kind of response to deal with what has taken place. Now, this requires much prayer for us and, and, and much time in the Scripture and much time in the Holy Spirit to know how we are to react in what situations and what situations are we to take it and what situations is a proper response necessary. Now, it's never uh, proper for us to uh, seek to get revenge on people, but there are times that we need to respond in an appropriate way. And we see those few examples that I just mentioned to you in Scripture. Now, for forgiveness to, to, to work the way that, that the Bible really calls for forgiveness to be effective, there has to be both forgiveness and there has to be both repentance. Now, it's possible 
that when people have sinned against you, that you can forgive them even if they don't ask for forgiveness, even if they aren't repentant. It's possible that you can forgive those people. Jesus gives us a great example of that when he's dying on the cross, when they've nailed him to the cross, and he's standing there, and he says, Look, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, in that instance, Jesus wasn't allowing his lack of forgiveness to cause anger or bitterness in his heart. He was forgiving the people even though they weren't asking for it. Now, in that instance, the forgiveness that Jesus gave to people, I don't believe was a forgiveness uh, that was going to allow them an eternity with him uh, because there has to be some confession of sin that takes place. There has to be some repentance that takes place uh, for us to receive forgiveness from God. We see that uh, repeatedly in the New Testament. We see it in Acts chapter 10, verse 43, in Acts chapter 13, verse uh, 38, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. We see lots of, of, of scriptures where it tells us pretty plainly that we must confess our sins to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the confession of sins, there is no forgiveness of sins. If you want to turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Give everybody a second to turn there. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, if we are faithful to confess our sins, then he is faithful to forgive us our sins. Now, in that instance, this gives us a good example of what forgiveness uh, and repentance really looks like because the main goal of forgiveness is for there to be a restoration that takes place, for there to be a reconciliation that takes place. Now, you can forgive those who have wronged you even if they are unrepentant. That is to say, you don't, you don't, you're not angry at something someone has done to you. If I had to give a definition uh, for what forgiveness is, I think that would be what it is. That is, that when we forgive people, we are saying we are giving up our right to be angry at that person. That is, even though they have wronged us, we are not going allowed, uh, to allow that to eat us away inside. Because really a lack of forgiveness, that's exactly what it does, as it causes this, this bitterness, this anger to come up in us. We think about people who have wronged us, and when we don't forgive them, boy, we become bitter. We become angry. We can't stand to see that person. We don't want anything to do with that person. But when we forgive people, what we are doing is saying, okay, I'm no longer going to be angry with that person. I give up my right to be angry with that person. Now, you can do that without anybody who has wronged you coming and asking you for forgiveness. They don't have to repent. They don't have to come and acknowledge they've done you wrong. You can just say, look, I'm going to forgive them because of what they have done. But if the other person still hates you, if the other person does not believe they've done wrong, if the other person is unrepentant, even though you have forgiven them, there still cannot be any reconciliation that takes place. Now, the flip could uh, revert, the opposite could be true too. That is, someone who has done you wrong may come to you and say, look, I have really sinned against you. I've done you wrong and I'm sorry about that. 
in the same way that this man that we see in this story did. He fell face down. There may be times that, that, that we do things wrong to people and we really are repentant and we go to them and we say, look, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And the person won't forgive us. Or perhaps there are people who come to us and they want repentance and we don't forgive them. Now, you can forgive somebody who is unrepentant and you can be repentant to somebody who is unforgiving. But if both aren't taking place, both forgiveness and repentance, then there can't be any reconciliation. There can't be a good relationship because there is going to be tension. There is going to be uh, hatred. There is going to be bitterness and all of these things that are going to come unless both parties are forgiving and repentant at what has taken place. Now, we need to make sure in our life that we check ourselves to make sure we are not guilty of either being unforgiving or being unrepentant. And when we are forgiving and we are repentant and those around us are, then reconciliation can take place. Then that relationship can be restored. Now, that's what is required for us to have a relationship with God. There has to be reconciliation. God can desire to forgive us all he wants to. But if we don't confess our sins and acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior, then guess what? We won't have a relationship that is restored with God. We won't be reconciled to God. But through Jesus Christ, the scripture says, we are reconciled to God. We are forgiven of our sins because we have a God who is willing to forgive. And when we repent, that forgiveness is given to us and reconciliation occurs. And the same is true in our earthly relationships. There are times that uh, people do us wrong, and we may forgive that person. If they, should not, if they don't repent, then uh, there's no reconciliation. And the opposite is true as well. So we need to check ourselves, and we need to make sure, am I forgiving, and am I seeking repentance? Now, even when we forgive people who have done wrong, that doesn't always mean that the wrong is going to go unpunished. Now, there are times that people wrong us, that wrongs are done, and maybe in our forgiveness we do not retaliate. Maybe we do show grace. But there may also be instances that even when people are forgiven, that there are still consequences that must result. There is still a proper response that must take place, similar to what we saw Jesus talk about here in uh, Matthew 18, 15 through 17, and in the writings of Paul. Sometimes, even when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean that a wrong goes unpunished. Uh, take, for instance, there's someone out there uh, who is a serial killer, and they have killed lots of people and affected lots of different families, and they have stood trial, and they are guilty, and they are uh, going to go to the electric chair. And before uh, the court trial is over, the family has the opportunity to come in, and sometimes family members do, and they have something they want to say to the guilty party. And sometimes they say hateful words to them. They're angry with them. But sometimes you see stories of people who are Christian people. And they see this horrible person who has done horrible things to a family member of theirs or to other family members. And what they choose to say when they stand before this person is they say, I forgive you, even if the person is unrepentant. Those family members may stand before that person and say, I forgive you. That is, I'm not going to be angry at you for the rest of my life. I'm going to let this go. Now that doesn't mean the person is not guilty of what's taken place. And that doesn't mean that the person who is guilty is going to uh, get out of the electric chair because all the family members of those affected have forgiven him. That's a good example of how true forgiveness can take place, but there is a proper response that needs to take place too. A crime has been committed, and so there is a proper response that's going to take place in this case, even though forgiveness has been allowed. 
So as Christians, when people do wrong against us and we forgive them, uh, we may not forget what they have done to us, and there still may sometimes have to be consequences that come along to things that people have done to us. Not consequences that come from revenge, not a retaliation, that someone has done something wrong to me, so I'm going to get them back, but there are times that there is a proper response that must take place. Now, anybody who's ever been in any kind of uh, a leadership position, let's say at a business where you are over other uh, employees and people that work for you, if there is some employee who comes and does something wrong, uh, and let's say, for, for instance, an employee comes, they have access to a, to a building, they come into the building, they have a party every night. They invite their friends over. Uh, they're using uh, supplies that the building has. They're eating food that the, that the business is supplying. Well, the boss finds out about that, and you're the boss. You even like the person. It's a good guy. It's a good girl. You like them. But this is not acceptable behavior. You can't allow this kind of behavior to go on. And you may go to them and say, look, this is not acceptable behavior. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some, some leeway here, but this can't happen again. Well, if the person continues doing that, and you may forgive them two or three times. You may say, look, all right, I forgive you for this. We're going to move on. Just don't do this anymore. Well, if the person continues this behavior, even if you like the person, even if you've genuinely forgiven the person, you have an obligation as the boss of the business to deal with the situation. A proper response has to take place. The same could be said of a, of a, of a, of a mother or father and a child. A, a child may get angry with a mother and a father. And the child may say, I hate you, mom and dad. And they may go through and they may destroy things in the house in a fit of rage. Now, as a parent, you can forgive your child. And probably you do. You probably don't have any trouble forgiving them. I'm sure it hurts when a child does things like that. But a parent will say, look, I forgive you. They may genuinely forgive the child. But the, the action still has to be addressed. There's a, a, a proper response that takes place in those instances. Now, that's not revenge on the child, but a proper response has to take place. Now, those are some examples of how we can forgive people, but yet something still has to take place. Now, we can't allow people who uh, do things that are sinful and wrong and horrible to completely go unpunished, even if we have really forgiven them. And even though some action has taken place, it does not mean that we have not forgiven them. Or even if we remember something that someone has done to us, that does not mean either that we have not forgiven them. In Proverbs 22, verse 3, it says, look, uh, you got to be wise in those areas. If somebody uh, does something to you, you got to learn from those things. If you want to turn there, Proverbs uh, chapter 23, excuse me, 22, Proverbs 22, verse 3 it says, a sensible person sees danger and takes cover. Now, there has to be some wisdom that takes place even when we forgive people who have done us wrong. Even when we don't hold any grudge against them, even when we are not bitter against them, there are just simply sometimes where we have to be wise when dealing with people who may continually do us wrong. It's not that we are not to forgive them. We clearly are. Jesus tells us that in the passage we looked at today. Even if they are unrepentant, we need to forgive them. But we also have to be sensible. If you have someone that comes into your house, and every time they come into your house, they steal something from you, well, you can forgive them. The first time they steal, the second time they steal, the thousandth time they steal. You can forgive that person, but you have to be wise enough to know if I allow this person into my home, they are going to continue to steal from me. 
Now, should you take a response there? Well, you have to uh, follow your own convictions in those situations. But I believe that God in, intends for us to be wise in those situations, that we are not to seek revenge or to seek to harm people, but perhaps there are situations where people are seeking to harm us, are seeking to harm our family, or seeking to harm others around us. Are we to allow that to take place or not? Well, those are things that we must really be prayerful about because we might can find examples in Scripture that may uh, kind of seem like they tell us different things. And while there may be different aspects of forgiveness and responses to that forgiveness and responses to action that we see in Bible, it's not to say that one are right or one is wrong. I believe that the Bible gives us lots of examples because there are lots of instances in our life. And they may not always require the same response. There may be sometimes that people do things to us and we just let it go. We let it slide. We don't, uh, we don't retaliate in any way. We don't even respond in a proper way where maybe uh, a proper response is called for. Sometimes we just give people grace. And God does that for us too. There are other times that there are consequences for the things that they do. There are times that people do things to us and we should never seek to get revenge on people in those times, but we should always in every situation seek for reconciliation. That's what God calls us to do. That's what the Bible wants us to do. And as long as there is not forgiveness and there is not repentance of the sins we commit, well, boy, that causes lots of dissension among believers and even people that you may be friends with if they're unbelievers. When people have a tension that is not dealt with, when there's a wrong that's been committed that's not addressed, then, boy, it causes a lot of tension and a lot of problems. And, and Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. He said, look, you, you should be on solid food now. You should be maturing as Christians, but there is still envy and strife among you, and it's causing lots of trouble. And Paul says, because there's this envy and strife am among you, he said, you're acting like unbelievers. And that causes all kind of disorder in the church, disorder in our relationship. So if we see that there is sin in our life, either sin that we've committed against someone or sin that someone has committed against us, then we need to take the proper response. Well, what is the proper response? If someone has sinned against you, then you need to forgive them, even if they don't deserve it, even if they have not asked for it. Because the Lord forgave us, and we certainly do not deserve it. And he continues to forgive us, even though we certainly do not deserve it. So when others do us wrong, when we say we forgive them, we are saying, look, I'm not going to hold this against them in a way that's going to make me be angry with them any longer. I'm not going to hold that anger. I'm not going to hold that bitterness. I'm not going to hold that grudge. I'm going to let that go. And you may still remember what they did to you. But when you really forgive people, even when you remember what they've done to you, it won't have any effect on you. That's how you can know you've really forgiven someone. When someone who has wronged you in such a way you see them, even when you remember what they've done and it doesn't phase you a bit, you don't get angry about it, you don't get bitter about it, you don't seek revenge on them, that's how we can know that we have really forgiven those who have done us wrong. I think maybe there are some times that maybe we think we've forgiven people, and maybe if we really examine our life and we look close, we may find that, no, I still, I still kind of hold a grudge against that person. I still hate that person. I'm still not where I need to be. Now, praise the Lord, if we realize that, we can go to God and say, all right, God, I need your help. 
because I really want to forgive this person. But boy, that anger's there. So God, help me to overcome that anger. Help me to overcome that bitterness. And guess what? God will do that. If you really seek Him, if you really uh, want to forgive that other person, if you really love that person, then guess what? God is going to help you to forgive that person. He's going to help those, those feelings of anger and bitterness uh, to, to, to be dealt with, where you can see that person in public and not think a negative thing about them in the least. Now, maybe there are some people who have wronged you greatly, and you've, you, you're at that point. Maybe there are others you're still struggling with. Well, keep asking God to help you to have the power to forgive those who have wronged you. On the flip side, look at your life and think about people that maybe you've wronged. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was last month. Maybe it was two years ago. Have you ever told that person you were sorry? Have you ever said, look, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have acted the way I did. In the story we see here, the master called in a debt, which was proper. The person owed uh, the master this debt. But when the person, the servant, fell face down before the master, the master had compassion. And so it is with us before God. When we fall down before God and say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, guess what? God has compassion. Now that's the example that we need to go by. That's how we need to live our life. When we realize that we have done something wrong to somebody, we need to tell them, look, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And hopefully they'll forgive you. Hopefully they'll say, look, you're forgiven. And that reconciliation, that restoration in that relationship can take place. But if you hadn't told them you're sorry, maybe they don't know you're sorry. Maybe they don't think you did, maybe they think that you don't think you did anything wrong at all. Perhaps just a simple discussion to say, remember that thing that happened? I want to tell you I'm sorry about that. And that may be all it takes. I wonder how many people avoid each other and don't talk to each other because of something that happened 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Something that probably could easily be fixed. One person thinks the other one hates them. The other person thinks he hates me. And nobody says anything to anybody. A lot of times those conflicts could probably be resolved in about five seconds. You know what? I'm sorry I did that thing to you. I shouldn't have done it but I want you to know I love you. And the other person can say, you know what, I'm sorry that happened too. I forgive you for that. Bam, just that quick. Just that quick, so many of our problems may can be fixed. So many of our relationships may can be reconciled. So if there's somebody who's done you wrong, if there's something going on in your life, then my suggestion would be that you really seek the Scripture, that you really ask God to help you, that you say, all right, God, let the Holy Spirit guide me. Let me know. When do I need to walk away? When do I need to turn the other cheek? Is there ever time that there's action that needs to be done, God? And if there is, help me not to ever act out of vengeance, but to act out of love so that repentance can take place, so that restoration can take place, so that I can be forgiven of my sins and so that I can forgive others who sin against me. In Mark chapter 11, if you want to turn there, in Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Mark 11, 25 and 26 says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. Now that's a pretty powerful verse right there. If we ever have struggle with forgiving somebody, then perhaps that's a good verse that we need to bookmark. Mark eleven twenty six. If we don't forgive those who sin against us, 
God will not forgive us. Because that's pretty, pretty serious. Now, we may read that verse and we may think, but yeah, but this person is so bad. Well, anytime we're tempted to think that somebody is so bad who has done something to us, I would encourage you to walk to a mirror somewhere and just look for a few minutes. Because whatever evil that someone has done to you is, that is so bad, realize that the evil that you have done to God and the sins that you have committed against God are a million times worse. But you know what God did? He is still willing to forgive you. He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross so that you could be forgiven. Now, if that's not a beautiful example to give us that strength to say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it not out of my strength, but God, I'm going to do it out of your strength. I'm going to forgive this person not because they deserve it, but God, because I love them. Because God, you have forgiven me when I didn't deserve it. And that needs to be our prayer. That needs to be what we seek God for to say, God, all right, help me to forgive people who have wronged me and help me to forgive those that I have, that help me to forgive people that, are, that have wronged me, God, and help people who I've wronged forgive me just as God has forgiven us. If there's sin in your life that you've never repented of, I want to tell you today, you cannot have a relationship with God unless you repent. God loves you. God wants to forgive you. And the good thing about, when we talk about God and forgiveness, when we leave this life and we are in the life to come, God is going to remember our sins no more. They will be cast as far as the east is to the west. When we come to Jesus Christ and we seek forgiveness through Jesus Christ, boy, God, uh, the anger that he had for us because of our sin, we won't experience God's anger and God's wrath. We will experience God's grace through Jesus Christ. And if you've never come to the Lord and said, Look, God, I repent. God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. If you've never followed Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you to do that today because there is forgiveness in no other than Jesus Christ. And if you've experienced that forgiveness in Jesus Christ, then remember that when other people do you wrong. Remember that. Show them the same mercy. Show them the same grace. Forgive them for what they've done. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these words, and I pray, God, that you let the Holy Spirit uh, speak to each one through what we've talked about today. God, I, I just didn't do a good job of explaining your word maybe today, but God, I pray that in my failures that you would... Uh, you would help your word to be good for us, that we would seek your word, that we would learn from you, that we would learn from Jesus and the example he gave us, God. I pray that we would live like him and love like him. God, I pray that if there is one who has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that today that they would repent of their sin, that they would seek him for forgiveness. And God, I pray that they would find that forgiveness, and they will, because your word promises that if we are faithful to confess our sins, you are faithful to forgive them. So God, I pray that we would all do that today the ones who have not put their faith in Jesus and the ones who have, God, that we all probably have things we need to repent of and that we would that we would do that, dear Lord, that maybe our relationship with you is not as good as it should be. And if it's not, God, help us to repent of our sins so that we can receive your forgiveness, so that our relationship with you can be reconciled. And God, help the same to be true for our earthly relationships. Let us forgive those who have wronged us. Let us repent to those who we have wronged. And God, let there be reconciliation and restoration that takes place. And God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com.
You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.